What's up, my beautiful disabled disciples? Welcome to King Indish Lab. Today is Thursday, October 21st, 2021. And right now, we are going to talk about a few things that really grind the gears of being a disabled person. Coming right up on Indish Lab. Welcome everybody. I want to thank you all for joining today on the Handy Schlapped podcast, episode 43. It's so crazy to be at that number already. I mean, we have a long way to go. A lot of other people are at much higher numbers. And, you know, I've been doing this for a little over a year now. And I just, you know, I really love everything about it. I just love having conversations and just talking about things that we can all relate with, things that we can understand, things that we just need to get off of our chest and out of being trapped within our minds. Because that can be a very dangerous place if we just keep all of those things, thoughts and feelings inside of ourselves, not just in our minds, but in our hearts as well, how we can just keep all these things inside of us and uh, just share with it with other people, uncensored, uncut. Sometimes we just need to talk about crap and everything, you know what I mean? So, what we're going to talk about a little bit today, this may be a little mini-series, so this will probably be part one, and that is disability annoyances and, well, just things that people do that annoy you or just people who annoy you in general. So we're gonna have a little bit of fun with this episode. Uh, keep, in mind, keep in mind, this is not a means of attacking any individual or collective group of individuals who match the, match the description that we are going to discuss, but more so just, you know, just getting honest feelings and just kind of joking around a little bit out of ourselves. And, you know, just start right off the bat a little bit with disabled problems that annoy a lot of us. And first of all, um, one of the things that I hate and and uh, completely am annoyed by, uh, in the words of Peter Griffin, you know what really grinds my gears? In this case, you know what really grinds my wheelchair wheels? And that is when other people who are non-disabled talk to disabled people as if they are five years old you know talking down to them i'm sure a lot of you can understand this issue and this nuisance and just how obnoxious it really is like the first thing they do is they try to say that they are your good friend or your buddy as if you're a little kid that wants to go out there and just be with the big boys and be with the cool kids. And it's like, I'm 28 years old. Why are you talking to me like I'm five? You know, some people are good at this. Some people are terrible. And, and it really shows. You know, you got... For me, what's really hilarious is... Are the disabled advocates who are non-disabled. Um... And so these people try to say that they are all about 
being your best friend and being your advocate as if you can't self-advocate on your own terms and uh, these people these people are the worst and they are embarrassing how they go welcome Jordan how can I be your great buddy today and they got that weird demeanor about them and it's like they're your big brother and you're the little brother or they're the big sister and you're the little sister it's like a variant of that program and it's so funny these people are advertised as being the big disability advocates and being your disabled best friend and there are many programs for that which i do commemorate and which i do celebrate programs are very similar to what i just described and uh all power to them who do it i was involved with it in high school and a little bit in college where um it was a program where a non-disabled person um i'm not gonna say the name of it but partners up with a disabled person um you know on the surface you think wow that's great grand wonderful that's really cool and you know what it is uh it, it kind of gets disabled people outside of their disabled bubble but beneath that it does feel kind of patronizing as i said these kind of programs just feel like a, another variant of uh big brothers uh big sisters kind of thing and it again it feels so patronizing in uh, how it's kind of taught to be uh, talking down to a disabled person as if all of them maybe a few I mean I've had troubles but then I kind of grew out of it and just learned to develop and learn things on my own but what the way these programs are designed um, in helping disabled people uh, get outside their bubble into different social circles and social events and activities, community activities, whatever it may be. But we're, they're doing it in a way that as if not only a few, but as if all disabled people are incapable of forming their own bonds and relationships with those outside the disability realm as if it's like a foreign affair kind of thing and uh as if it's a foreign concept that we disabled people do not compute as if we uh our lives are preset to be a certain way that we do not understand how to make friendships in a more natural way and i understand a lot of them do do not understand how to make organic friendships and relationships that's cool you know i mean i've got people in my own life who are disabled and they have tr a lot of trouble with that my heart goes out to them but it's the people who are not disabled who look at disabled people and you know they kind of compartmentalize them they organize them into a certain um, box, you know, but that's with any type of minority. We get the stereotype of what one person in that minority is like, and that becomes, unfortunately, the entire image and representation, albeit poor representation, of that 
group of that minority group and that's common that's been going on forever and you know, even in the disabled community it's as if all wheelchair users are also mentally challenged that they are all socially inept that they have no way of forming romantic relationships that they're romantically stupid that they are all asexual angelic beings who are unable to have or are oblivious to having any kind of sexual infatuation with another person albeit a normal person as they would call normal or a non-disabled person and that this is the other one this is the other thing is that when we disabled people do get crushes and romantic interests in a non-disabled person that's kind of just it it's labeled as if it's equivalent or under the same kind of spotlight as like a little kid having a crush on somebody so when disabled people get a crush on someone and people observe it it's like oh that's cute that's sweet that's adorable as in yeah that's nice that you have whatever you call interest in that person but it's like you know it's like a little kid having a crush on his babysitter or a crush on whoever someone that is imaginary or anything like that any kind of like adult situation is marginalized and minimalized into like a little kid having a crush on someone it's treated like that sweet adorable cute funny and it's not seen or observed really in a serious manner as if the disabled person who has the crush on someone is is incapable or unable to exhibit uh, sexual desire on the same level as just any kind of other person. Now, on the other hand, there are some issues there when a disabled person has a crush or romantic or sexual feelings or desire for someone else. Some of us have been sheltered and it's not that we're oblivious. It's that we just don't really understand how to interpret those feelings of romantic interest or sexual infatuation or, you know, just natural sexual desire because we weren't really always taught or embraceive or included in that type of narrative or in that circle um, where that's a normal thing for us. It's actually a very alien thing. So when it does happen to us, we always, or we often feel kind of discouraged by it or we may feel confused by it and how to, for someone like us, 
to pursue that in a non-threatening way. That's a strong word. I should say in a non-kind of weird way or in a way that doesn't seem like we are trying so hard. So as you can see, there's a lot of gray there. It's not just black and white. There's a lot of struggles in that area of how a disabled person pursues romantic interests, pursues sexual identity without the experience of getting some, without the experience of how to interpret those feelings of desire. How do we desire if we don't know what it feels like to be desirable ourselves? You know, that's why when it comes to romantic relationships or thinking about having a sexual partner, it can be a little frightening for us because we just haven't dipped our toes in there and it feels weird to have those feelings and not know what to do with them you know I have a couple of friends who grew up kind of sheltered in the area in that area and they don't really understand or know how to properly communicate with those whom they may be interested in or getting a date or going on a date in a way that doesn't seem like a little kid going out to dinner or lunch with someone as like a play date or a friend you know like when you're a disabled person and you want to be in that label or in that realm of casual dating dating with this fine woman or this fine man that you're really attracted to it drives you nuts it's just, uh, you you just experience it in such a different way in ways that other people, specifically non-disabled people, would deem it as, hey man or hey girl, you're getting way too overexcited about this and you're overthinking it. And while this is a true statement, there are there is some pushback to that claim. Well, that is true that we do get overexcited and we do kind of overthink it. We get a little too into it on going out with someone who we are really, really digging and increasing the chance of blowing it or making it weird or awkward or increasing the chance of, dare I say, making it creepy. While all those things are wrong, it's also understandable as to why disabled people get so anxious about dating and about trying to pursue someone without being seen as a child, without being seen as desperate, and without being seen as creepy, whichever label you want to use. Well, sometimes that may be true in a case-by-case -case scenario. The problem is when you have that lack of experience and that lack of engagement 
and going on natural dates, it's hard not to get excited. Or I should say, overly excited. You know, and then uh, it's hard to talk about some of this stuff with people, especially like you're in a group with non-disabled people. Let's say some of your friends are non-disabled and they're talking about their lives. They're talking about their girlfriends, their fiancés, or their boyfriends as their fiancés, whoever, whatever. And sometimes it's hard to get invested and join that conversation because it just hasn't been part of your livelihood yet. Not saying it won't, because it still can. And it's hard to really care, I guess, because you are yet to experience that. Or maybe you're a millennial and you are constantly bombarded by conversations of millennial families, uh, millennial parents, talking about their kids and all the blah, blah, blah all around you. And it's not that we don't care in the sense that, oh, this is so boring, this is so dumb. Sometimes disabled people may check out of those conversations because we just don't know if we are ever going to get the full version of that form of lifestyle. Getting the full version of grand dates, casual dating, um, having some nights together where you just hang out and do God knows what. Not that I'm advocating for that, but you know what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is similar to what Dave Chappelle talked about in his most recent stand-up comedy special on Netflix called The Closer. Albeit it was a different type of conversation, but he said something that's quite universal. A friend of his who passed away that, that said something to him that stuck with him. And I'm saying this to everyone listening. Disabled or not, non-disabled, I'm saying it to all of y'all that I'm going to paraphrase and bring this over from what Dave Chappelle was saying. It's not that I want you to understand me. I just want you to validate and see that I'm having a human experience. That's it right there. Is that just because we are, uh, we live differently, just because we have severe or minor or moderate disabilities? It doesn't mean that we lack, that we all lack the same human experiences. I'm not going to beg you anymore to understand us, to understand me. We just mostly want to be heard and seen as sharing in the same human experiences that everyone else is having. That's mostly it. 
And then you got examples of other kinds of people, people non-disabled and disabled alike. Everyone's guilty at some point. People who insist upon themselves. People like, say you're having a conversation with someone. Say you're, I don't know, you're talking about I don't know, horror movies, scary movies. I personally love scary movies. Now I understand coming from a pastor, that's a weird thing to say. But whatever. I digress. Say you're talking to someone about horror movies. Maybe it's a particular horror movie you're talking about. All the stuff in the movie. Why you loved it, why you didn't like it, blah blah blah. Etc, etc. And there's always that one person outside of this specific conversation. Like say you're in a room with multiple people. You and the majority of the group, except for one or two people, are involved with it. And there's always that one person who is outside of this particular conversation that has to speak up and say, Oh, I don't like scary movies. I don't like them at all. And, like, they have to halt the brakes on the entire conversation out of absolutely nowhere for no reason and then it's like okay well what does that have to do with anything really (laughs) you know it's like people that have to like insist upon themselves in the sense of like just because they may not yet be involved in the conversation at that time and it's like they get a little insecure about that. And it bothers them. And, you know, someone else is talking about something and making a good connection out of it. Like, um, I make good connections with people on movies or other things like that all the time. Just how it works, you know? Yeah, and then there's always that person will they got to speak up and advocate the oppositional side when nobody asks for it. Like, it's a sign of insecurity. It feels like that person just has to say that to kind of, like, be like, hey, look at me. I'm the one that stands out. Okay, here's one. Here's another example. Say you're talking about, like, a popular TV show, okay? Say you're talking about, like, uh, Breaking Bad or The Sopranos, uh, Squid Game, which is out right now on Netflix, or talking about like Game of Thrones, the biggest show on television for a few years throughout the 2010s, the most popular, biggest show in the entire world at that point. If y'all haven't seen that show, that's fine. But my point of all this is someone is talking about something that's culturally relevant or whatever, something that matters to you and it matters to another person in your group or more than one person. And y'all, y'all, y'all are having a nice, uh, peaceful, loving, enjoyable, fun conversation about it. And there's always that one person that has to be like, you know, I've never seen a single episode You know what I mean? It's always, like, the person that, like, has to announce that they're outside of the conversation. 
You know what I mean? It's, I don't know, it's just something like that that just bothers me. And it's funny because, like, it's like that's the only way. God forbid, and God forgive me. And um, I get it. I've been on outside too, but it's just an observation I've made where someone like has to say an outside opinion, which I'm all for. I'm all for different opinions. And people talking about something outside of the status quo. That's what millennials are all about. They're all about breaking the status quo uh, which is a uh, you know from a high school musical, and uh, embracing individual attitudes, embracing individualism, and then someone always has to do it in an obnoxious way. Like I've never seen an episode, and I never will. You know, people did that with Harry Potter. People did that with all kinds of different things that were relevant in pop culture at the time. You know, it's like, what are you trying to accomplish? There are people like this are often, my next topic, complainers. People that have to complain about every little thing in life and make that aspect of their life their only topic of discussion for the entire runtime of your group visit together. Like, that's the one thing in their lives that they have to talk about. And it's like, you know, as difficult as the thing you are going through in your life is, and by God, it's difficult. We're there for you, we are your friend. But you know what I, what I say to complainers who just have to talk about and complain about something to bring the conversation back upon them to kind of turn back down the temperature in the room to alter the vibe in the room out of freaking nowhere. To these people I say, you know what? I understand you're going to this right now in your life, whether it's big or small. And it's like, there are other things in life to talk about. There are other things in life going on than that, than what you're going through right now. And don't get me wrong, I'm not belittling anyone's problems. And I'm not belittling anyone's difficulties or struggles. But you know what? Everyone is human. Everyone struggles. Everyone experiences difficulties, tragedy, uh, all kinds of issues in different ways. And how you deal with that is something you have to work out with the Lord. Something you have to work out with yourself. But don't be afraid to ask for help, and on top of that, your struggles are not the focal point of your life. How you decide to face your temptations and your enemies and the weapons formed against you 
all the trials and tribulations that you go through, how you respond to those things rather than complain about it. That's what the character, that's where the character development comes into play. It's how you react to it, how you manage it. And with that said, it's very easy to become a manipulator in those areas. A manipulator in that what you're going through becomes more important and center stage than anybody else. Y'all may not, y'all who do so may not mean to do so, and we love you, and I forgive you, and I'm there with you. I struggle too. There are days I just want to talk about this and that all day long just to be told that I'm okay, just to get that validation from people. But it's very easy to make our problems more important than the people around us and to manipulate that into our advantage. But you know what? We're going to talk more about that later. Because even though there's a lot of annoyances about other people that bother us, even though it's difficult as a disabled person to be talked to and treated like a five-year-old in anything we do, as if disabled people don't have authentic adulthood feelings and desires and go through human experiences even though you might complain a lot about things in your life or maybe you experience manipulation or maybe without you knowing it maybe you manipulate others as well none of those things are your identity None of those things describe who you are. What describes who you are is not only what God created you to be and your identity in Christ, but what you do and how you react to positive and negative scenarios in your life. Acting and reacting. That's what's Builds that's what builds your character. And next time, we're going to continue this over. We're going to have a little more fun and talk about things that grind the gears and the wheels of disabled people, part two. And so, with that said, let's pray together. Dear Lord God, we thank you so much for who you are and the things you do for us, Lord, for your glory and your love and your grace. Please bless anyone, everyone went through a hard time right now. Even though it may be difficult, even though it may be annoying to us, sometimes we'll leave you with there's only so much baggage and heaviness we can take. But we'll be strong, patient, and loving and graceful and understanding through you, Lord God. I pray your peace and comfort over everyone listening to this podcast, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for listening to episode 43 of Hand Left. I am your host, Reverend Jordan Schrader. 
Y'all take care. Stay safe. God bless. As always, stay classy.